Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T in your Tilo, Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the low in your Tilo, Lorenzo Marquez, my lovely husband. Hello. We had several false starts getting to this moment, but we're finally recording. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it is an exciting midweek podcast. We are trying to move the podcast up more and more each week because That's why we, we're confusing. Yeah, we're right. recording on Wednesday <laughs> is very confusing to us. And hopefully next week we'll be recording on Tuesday. Um, we might have tried letting this drop on Monday, but Monday is Labor Day, so it's probably not worth it. Right. Uh, and the reason we're doing that is because we're going all in on our house of the dragon recaps and since it airs on when uh sunday nights it really doesn't make sense to wait Wait until until the following friday and uh that actually leads into a discussion which we're going to have in a minute about our um promised uh lord of the rings the rings of power coverage and why it is not happening we're going to explain that in a little bit um but you probably some of you might have seen the explanation on social media um but before we get to all that we are going to talk about one Miss Meghan Markle, oh, dear, the on. Duchess of Sussex, who gave a expansive interview, probably other than the Oprah interview, it's probably the most in-depth interview she's done, I think, since she got married. Well, it's, it's a profile piece. So, I mean, they have to interview her for many, many days. Like like when, yeah, I mean... Right, it, but it she has hasn't subjected some, herself yeah. to that, at that level. And... Um, Couple preambles before we get into this. Number one is um, the thing about us and our our, our uh, Windsor family coverage, royal family, and the thing is we've all only done Kate and Meghan coverage, and people have wondered why that is, and it's because those are the ones that had the most interest. The sons of Diana's wives are always going to get more press than anybody else, right. and people have more interest in those women. I mean, we could do, you know, Eugenie and Beatrice or anybody else, but there are... Who? (laughs) No, there are plenty of royal sites. And of course, you know, the Swedish royal family or whatever, but we're not a royal site. So we stuck to those two because they are the biggest um, royal female celebrities in the world, basically. Right. Um, And... We have been critical of both of them, although we we tend to be more critical of Kate, and that is because Kate is um, of of a higher rank. She's going to gain, you know. There's more expectations, so the things right. that she does needs to be, you know, is scrutinized heavier. And she doesn't get as much shit as Meghan does. So. And she and she is beloved mostly at this mm-hmm. stage by the British press and British public. Having said that, I know that she was subjected to a lot of shit in the early years when she was dating him. Right. Um, but it's not even close to what Megan's been through. Yes. And so we have been in the past sympathetic to what Megan has been subjected to since she got engaged to Prince Harry. And I mean, subjected to by the, um, British press, by the Royal family and by, you know, these, these weird bot armies and, and influencers who go after her on social media, like, like a career for some of them, it is a career. Um, having said that, like if you, if you were ever to go to like a royal forum, I know for a fact there's one. There's one pro Kate forum. Really? I who has that. an entire thread on us about how we're so anti Kate. Oh my God. And then there's one pro Megan royal forum because it shows up in Google right, alerts right, right. and stuff like that. Um, there's another pro Megan forum where they go on and on about how much we hate Megan. <laughs> So, uh, you know, uh, on some level, you might think, well, as a commenter, you're like, well, I guess we're doing okay if we're pissing off both sides. 
Um, but we have been more critical of Kate because she does, um, you know, she's ascending to a more important role than um, Meghan ever will. She is going to be the Queen Consort of England at some, or the, you know, of Great Britain at some point. Um, and the last time, and we don't come that down that hard on Kate, but no. only the one that comes up to mind recently is their uh, Caribbean Royal Tour, yeah, where they made a bunch of serious, serious uh, blunders, the both of them. And not the least of which is that she wound up dressing like uh, a dictator's wife for this military parade, which was just a bad idea. Uh, but back to Megan. Um, we're going to unpack this, this a little bit of this. And that's the other thing is that we've heard, I've encountered discussions about us on royal forums where people say that we have dropped our coverage of Megan. And that's not actually the case. Megan doesn't do the kind of things that Kate does. Megan doesn't make public appearance where she gets right. dressed up right. Right. and makes public appearances in front of the press. Megan controls, Megan and Harry control their image very tightly. And again, I once said that on social media and got a bunch of Sussex fans screaming at me for weeks afterwards. But it's just an observation. They control their image much more tightly. Uh, and that is part of the reason why they wanted to leave the royal family is so that they could because have more of, control yeah, of it. Yeah, the control issue. So, you know, we don't have, there's not a lot of pictures of Meghan walking around in a pretty pantsuit doing, you know, social work or, or whatever, you know, Catherine tends to do. So and that, when there is, we post him. I mean. Right. Um, if they make a red carpet appearance right. or if they do something, you Attend know. an event. Or, right. But for the most part, kind. there's not as much there to cover. And... Before we get into this interview, I just want to say on the on the record again, Megan uh, was subjected to a lot of really racist uh, press coverage, especially in Great Britain, in the UK. Um, it was clear that she was subjected to some really harmful uh, behavior from Harry's family, um, and I never ever I I, I don't think any of that is untrue. I believe them. The mm -hmm. way they talk about it, they are right. traumatized by it. Right. Um, and I get that. And they should have the right, you know, now that they're free, they should have the right to talk about whatever injuries or things they had to get over. I'm not denying that right. But uh, after reading this interview, in combination with a couple of things that Harry has done recently, inter things he has said in interviews, I am of the opinion that the two of them, I only have one of two conclusions that I can come to. And I, I tend towards the former. The former conclusion is that they are both um, not as good at media relations as they should be. They don't necessarily understand how they sometimes come across mm -hmm. and what the blowback will be for Which some... Which is surprising because... That they, is surprising. Because she's been media trained. So is he. Yes. And he's... And they both have been like royal media treated, uh, trained and all that. I mean, they, they've, they've been through a lot of training. So the second conclusion is that they tend to throw these bombs mm -hmm. in their interviews on purpose. So let's unpack. Um, and I'm going to refer, like Harry over the summer or in the spring, I think, had an interview with Hoda where he said that he had stopped by to check on the Queen. Remember he visited mm -hmm. the Queen? Yeah. And it was because he wanted to make sure that she had good people around her. And I said at the time, I was like, whether you think that's something that needs to be addressed or not, going to the press with that, well, that's there the is yeah. no good outcome the family will get angry with you buckingham palace will get angry with you the british press will get angry with you and the british public will get angry with you yeah. so what is the point in saying that i think that's 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 what everybody's saying pretty much including this interview this is interview like with why are you bringing this up 
why are you bringing these things up? Yeah. Um, when you know they're just going to use that against you. There's no, no good reason, is coming no out of this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want you, I, or I, I feel that they have the right to tell their story. On the other hand, I feel like constantly returning to this same story is not helping you. It's not helping your image. And frankly, it's very obvious that it's not going, it, you're only pushing the family further away, which is your right. But you can't go to the press and talk about how you want reconciliation while you're saying all of these things in the in the press. Now, let's unpack some of the stuff that she said. Uh, let's go back. This is all she had this uh, profile in the cut because her new podcast has finally launched. And the first two ep- it's archetypes. And it's kind of strange that everything's being named after Archie, their son. But OK. Um, <laughs> and it does sound like an interesting podcast. Her first guest was Serena Williams, and then her second one was um, Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey. I know in the Mariah Carey one, they had a, an extensive conversation about being biracial women, Which and is that's a very interesting oh, conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, I was like, yeah. this is what you should be doing, Megan. Yeah. This is your lane, right. absolutely. And I don't, I, I had no problem with her talking to Serena Williams either, but um, I would, I couldn't help but roll my eyes. The first episode dropped with Serena, and there's this bombshell of a story about the, you know, um, Archie's crib catching on fire on their South African tour, which no one had ever heard this story before. Right. Um, which is horrible. I mean, and it, it is, that is horrible. Yeah. But why are you choosing now to do this? And it, right. there's no way I can look at that as someone who has done celebrity commentary for nearly two decades now. There's no way for me to look at that and say, well, you're just dropping that bombshell on purpose so that more people will download your podcast. That There's no way that doesn't come across cynical to me. It just feels cynical like, to like me. It, they just release those things to gain sympathy and empathy. When they need it. And then it's released at certain times. Right. It feels just so like, strategic. Right. It, it does. It does. Uh, and, and, you, and they know exactly what they're doing. And like her comment about attending the Lion King uh, production uh, in London. Go ahead, in this London. is in the interview. Yes, at the uh, she makes a comment about attending the uh, Lion King production in 2019. Premiere. Premiere, yeah. Uh, but it was the uh, the theater production or whatever. I thought it was the Beyonce movie. Was it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Anyway, one of the members, cast member, um, is from South Africa, and he met her and and, and said something like, you know, uh, we rejoice when we... We danced in the streets. Yeah, we danced in the streets, yeah. When we found out that you had married into this family and... Um, like we did when Mandela was freed. She related this story. Well, here, here's the thing. First of all, this is such a silly thing to, to say, but the men maybe the man was probably the, the member i don't know if it's a man or woman was excited about I it i think it was a man i think a man. She said so that. he was excited about it he he's meeting her i can understand why he overdid it you know when his but why would you tell that story but why would you repeat that yes when you know it's a silly thing to say uh, and of course you say, and she immediately thought, i'm not i'm not comparing myself to mandela well ma'am you yes, just did yes you are and i know you're recounting some something that someone right, else said right. but as a public figure, that is a story you keep to yourself. Like, oh, wasn't that a lovely thing that that person said to me? You have to know that going to the press and relating that story secondhand, it's just not a great it's, look. It's, it's like someone meeting us and say, you know, meeting you guys was like when I met Marsha P. Johnson, you know, like right. I had the same 
vibe. Listen, on our book tours and stuff, and we appreciate it. Fans have come to us and said some beautiful things about what we have meant to them over the years. Things, young uh, gay guys who were, you know, in high school when they first read us and they meant, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not going to relate to you some of the things people said because it sounds so self-aggrandizing. And and, and you should know better because... this this is the kind of profile that you can actually say things that will make you look better, but you chose those because that yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of things she chose to do in this profile um, that I just can't not look at it cynically. At one point, um, uh, we should mention that the um, the journalist at the cut who covered it was Allison P. Davis, and she did an amazing job. It was a really excellent profile. She's, this is African American. I believe she is black. Yeah, um, uh, and part of. It's the, it's a profile, a celebrity profiler's job um, not to just go in and ask questions and recount their answers. It is their job to observe. Yes. Observe the celebrity. Observe what the celebrity is allowing you to see and, and then make make conclusions about what yeah. that means. Let me a just, lot of people were a little critical of her approach, but this is how no. good profiles are done. Let me give you an example. When we were profiled by the New York Times, the reporter, the writer, she followed us uh, for a day or two. For several days. Like she, she attended Fashion Week with us. She was in the cab with us the whole time taking notes. She sat of in a hotel room with yes. us while we interviewed Joy Behar on the phone right. for oh, I completely Metrosource Magazine. Oh my God. Rudest interview of all time. <laughs> oh my God. Absolutely rudest interview. Anyway, she followed us around for, for a day or two, uh, you know, taking notes, pay attention to everything we said or, or did. Yeah. So. And then you have to, and actually, I there were certain things about that profile I didn't love, not least of which she said, she said that my hair was thinning and I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I which do not is have not thin- true. No, I have very <laughs> thick hair. True. But I had like a buzz cut at the time, and I guess it looked like my hair was thinning. And Maybe I was she like, got it confused with my hair, my head. My I don't hair. know. <laughs> um, but you subject yourself to that, and whatever yeah. you choose to um, reveal about yourself in a profile is is part of that profile. And the journalist has a has a responsibility to contextualize that stuff and right. give their own impression. So um, Allison Davis did actually make a few comments about. How eyebrow raising certain of this stuff came yeah. across. It wasn't bitchy. It wasn't mean. It was no. more like she even expresses at the end of the interview a sense of confusion because she and it seemed, reading between the lines, she feels very handled. I think one of the things the interview ends, and this is one of the major eye roll things, is the interview ends and Megan presents her with a fruit basket for, and with jams and fruits from her garden and how she had the labels made up on Etsy. And I'm sorry if any celebrity other than maybe Martha Stewart did that, it would be considered so eye-rolly. If uh, Gwyneth Paltrow did that in a profile, everyone would, or compared herself to Nelson Mandela, everyone would roll their eyes at right, it. Right. Um, I understand wanting to defend Megan because she's been through a lot of shit. I agree with her on that. But some of this stuff, and then the other thing that I could not handle was... They were in the car with Archie. They had picked up Archie from school. And when I say the car, of course, I mean the limousine. Um, I don't know what kind of car it was, but she I don't think she was driving it, judge, judging by how this piece was written. And they saw an unhoused man on the corner. So Megan reached into the trunk. I don't know how you reach into the trunk, but whatever. I guess it was like an SUV or something. And uh, handed a fresh, brand new backpack that was filled with, I don't know, fruits and nut bars and, and I think books or something, and handed it to someone in her security detail to give to this homeless man on the corner. And are you 
freaking kidding me. Well, but that's what I do. When I go to the gym, I have an extra bag with me. I don't with, care with that fruit. she's doing that work, and Lorenzo. <laughs> I think when you do it in front of a reporter like that, it is extraordinarily manipulative and performative. It's I, Megan I or no Megan, whatever else she's been through, any celebrity who pulled that stunt, I would roll my eyes at it. I agree. And it does make... I'm like, does she not see that people are automatically going to see that like look at that as manipulative or cynical somehow i just don't see how you pull a stunt like that and not and not understand that it might come back people might not react there are places when you can donate things and and do that kind of stuff but you don't doing it performatively in front of a journalist is just what but you don't just stop the car and (laughs) and pull out a a bag to give you your security (laughs) detail uh the other thing i don't want this to run down this list but uh, she talked about there how this the mansion that they bought in it's a in, mansion okay and look i understand they paid 14 a little under 15 million for it which honestly as mansions go there are way more expensive mans- expensive mansions in america and probably in montecito so as mansions go it sounds like it might be a little um modest and they, um, they have to the, do a lot of work right whatever but yeah, yeah, right. she talked about how she, she had to have this house because it fills her soul with joy. And I'm like, look, lady, I, I, it's a $15 million mansion. Don't talk of it in spiritual terms because that just makes you sound completely, you know. I know, I know. It, well, yeah, it, it's a mansion. <laughs> of course, you're gonna. I'm going to be rejoiced, you know, if, if, it if, just sound, if it, I purchase something like that. Um, how does it not sound like you're bragging about your mansion? Yeah, it just... It it's not that you can't say things. It's just the way you say them. That's um, what's so surprising. I to think me. that's yeah, and it f- feels a little naive, which I don't think that she is. I don't is. think she is. The only thing, and I said this to you earlier when we were talking about it. The only thing I can see as a way of explaining it is, yes, she's media savvy, but for fifteen years, close to twenty years, her entire job was self promotion. Being media trained as an actress is not the same thing as being media trained as a royal. You are trained as a royal to shut up and not reveal things. But as an actress, you are trained to do the exact Uh, opposite. opposite. You you stir things. That's what you you do as an actress. You reveal your private pain and whatever. You make it part of your brand. All of that is fine, but you're not an actress anymore. Right. She does talk about, you know, I'm 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 an actress. I know I know where to stand and what to do, what to say. And I think that's all she I think in her mind that's all she thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, tell me what to do today. I'm gonna be standing here, I'll smile, take pictures. But no, it it's a lot more than that. And the biggest part of it, and I'm sorry, but neither she nor Harry ever really seem to understand this, is not not saying anything. Listen, I'm not a big fan of the royals. Whatever. I don't care if she or he or then that family. But if that's the life, then it is distinguished by people who don't. And this is part of the problem. It's distinguished by people who don't make these sort of comments. It's, right. You are trained not to talk about your personal feelings, your personal wounds, whatever, your personal injuries, things, grudges, whatever. And they do. They talk about this stuff a lot. And part of what makes it Oh, I forgot about one of the more explosive things she said. When she was talking about her own father, she relates this thing that Harry said to her about, um, and it was really poorly worded, uh, but basically he said, I lost my own father, which I read that and I was like, why? 
do you really think Prince Charles is inclined to reconcile with you after you were saying shit like this in the press? Right. Um, Prince Charles, who is more or less bound from responding in the press because he is a senior royal. That is the thing that all these little bombshells, look, you're fine. If you want to drop them, fine. But you have to understand you're doing it against people who are duty-bound not to respond. You know this. Right. So it looks very one-sided, and it looks very manipulative. Now, Omit Scobie, who is more or less Megan's mouthpiece, he's a royal journalist, and he wrote Finding Freedom, which was her, the book about her, and she is purported to have... Um, uh, cooperated with him in the writing of the book. He came out and, and said, well, there's been some confusion about this. I saw what it, she yeah. really, And I thought it was bullshit. Yeah. What he said was, what she meant was, she lost her father. Harry was noting that she lost her father, and and now he didn't want to do that. You know, blah, blah. That is not what that quote looks like. The follow-up sentence that she says after it does not support that interpretation. And you know what? At this stage in the game, if your mouthpiece has to go out and correct something you said... You are bad at this. You are bad at this media. And that's all I really want to say here is not that Megan is a bad person no, she's or not. that they're liars no, right. or any of that. I am just really, really surprised every time one of them opens their mouth. Yeah, where, I, and I'm like, you're just not good at this. That's what I want to add here. He's not just her. He's just as bad. He is just as bad. And, um, and you know, given the, the experience and, and his lifetime doing this, he should know better. Um, yeah. More than her, actually. Right. Uh, I can understand why she was a little naive about the whole thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm just, as she says, I'm just going to do what they're telling me to do. And, and, and uh, that's, that's it. Right. <clears throat> I, I don't think she understood that when you become part of that family, you lose control of everything. And that sucks. And but that sucks. But you have a, a choice. choice. It's yeah. a choice. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I don't want to be too hard, but I feel like it's... Like any decision in life, when you find someone to marry, you take all these things into consideration. Mm. And if you still decides to do it, to go with it, then you suffer the consequences or you or you learn how to deal with them. And I think because of all the pressure, because she's black, because of all that, that extra layers of, of bullshit, mm. you know, um, things just got worse, far worse for her. Um, and it's and it. Even I was a little naive, I have to say, because when I still remember watching her wedding, and I was like, oh, this is going so well. They really accept her. Right, right. You know, it gave that impression that they were ready for someone like her. And then later on, you're like, wow, really? No, they're just pretending like they yeah. always do. And I just want to make an aside here, because some people get really upset at her accusations, at their accusations of racism in the, in the royal family. And I think, I'm sorry, there's 60 years of Prince Philip making some, at sometimes shockingly racist commentary to the press. We know that Princess Michael of Kent showed up at a family dinner wearing a Blackamoor brooch when right. she went to meet her. And that is just. How can you not know? Full yeah. on racism. Yes. And, you know, maybe if you're not um, a, a royal watcher, um, you might not. But Princess Michael of Kent is not some nobody. She doesn't do a lot. But um, her husband, Prince Michael, is well regarded by the Queen. They are close. They're cousins. They lived in Kensington Palace for years. Right. Kensington Palace is where Princess Margaret lived. It's where Princess Diana lived. It's where William and Catherine until recently lived. It's not where they send 
the people in the family who don't matter. Right. So if, and he, Prince Philip was the patriarch of that family. So if we know that the patriarch and the close cousin's wife are openly racist and say things like this in public, why are you shocked or or why are you disbelieving right. that someone else in the family might have wondered what color the baby was going to be? Uh, that's, I don't have a problem believing those stories yeah. at all because that is an archaic institution of inbred aristocrats. Of course they're racist. I mean, maybe William isn't. Maybe the Queen isn't. Although the Queen was married to a racist for 60 years, and she didn't seem to mind. So it's fine to have these conversations, okay? <laughs> Ooh, you went there. Good. None anyway. of these people are on a pedestal. No, I, and, you I know, agree. I can, I agree. At the same time, I can say, Megan, that's not the way to handle it, and also recognize, but these people are also terrible. I just wish Megan and Heron would drop it. We just get away. You from, have yeah, the podcast. You have yeah. the Invictus Games. You have the Netflix deal. You've got all this stuff going on. And they seem to actually really love their life. He's he's on a polo team now right, and everything. Right, right. I'm happy for them. Please shut up about his family. I know. They got Please a, they shut got up. They got $100 million from Netflix. And then I, I think $25 million from uh Right. Spotify. That's the other thing is yeah, uh, like you're people, loaded. The, the privilege of your life, especially Harry. Yeah. His life of unimaginable privilege, and every time he does an interview, he complains. It's like, okay, buddy, I get it. Your mother died. Your family, but a you piece have of millions. Shit. But you're also like insanely wealthy and privileged, right? Um, that's the part about Megan. I just, I, I'm rooting for them. I don't necessarily think badly of them. I think the way they handle their press is terrible. I agree, and I think the podcast is a good idea, as you mentioned. I mm -hmm. think there are in very interesting topics that she can talk about, and she has the power to get very important people to interview. You know, she right. yeah, she can get all these people like Mariah Carey and Serena Williams. So just ask the right questions, have the right conversations, and just drop the whole family. I mean, mention it every now and then something. If you're talking about, you know, what kind of, what, what, what you went through, uh, but... Like, you just say things like that. The Mandela thing to me was just like, I don't understand how it's it's like listening to someone saying something to you horrible. And then you just repeat that right. for the rest of the world, you know, um, it, it, it was just too much for me. Agreed. And now you're all going to yell at us. I know. Because um, that's what happens anytime we express an opinion on either Megan or Kate. But hey, I don't hate any one of them. No, um, well, I'm not Kate's but, biggest fan, but I don't think no, she's a I bad person either. Them, but I don't, I, I, I'm not that interested in them, the four of them, yeah. to be honest. All right, moving on. Before we get to um, House of the Dragon, and let me just say, I just want to. I just want to call it Game of Thrones. That's uh, it's the hardest thing. <laughs> I, I know. just want to call it House Game of, of Thrones. The Dragon. Um, I want to talk a bit about um, the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. If you have been following us for any length of time, we have been talking up this series from the minute from the minute they announced from it. the minute it was announced, yeah. and um, uh, every poster, every character poster, every teaser trailer, every trailer we were, we dropped it right, on our right, right. site and talked about how excited we were. We've been covering the red carpet. Um, but we're not going to cover it in the end. And I just want to explain why. This is a little inside baseball, but bear with me here. Um, we, uh, for 10 years now, have been enjoying... We get screeners from basically every streamer um, and every... Network. Network. Um, if we don't get them automatically and we want to cover something, all we have to do is ask one of our contacts and it... It's we haven't us. had a pro it's, it hasn't been an issue for us as independent bloggers since like the earliest days of Mad Men when we, it, AMC was really 
rough about and it was a problem for everybody actually and eventually we got over that hoop amc started uh hump we got over that hump and amc started sending us screeners and it has never been a problem um bravo used to send us screeners for project runway and um lifetime also did the same logo does not send out or not logo bh1 does not send out drag race screeners so we never got them um but every other name a television show and this is the ironic thing name any any show on Amazon, and we have received screeners for it automatically. So, um, but because this is a, there, it's the most expensive production in television history, and we to we probably should have been more aware of this. But up until like two weeks ago, I assumed the screener was dropping. I just, I just didn't even think we would have to ask for it because Amazon never you know, we've never had to. I did know that there were certain, and this happens sometimes with A-list productions, they, they certain A-list journalists or critics are going to get it first. Like I know Vanity Fair got screeners months ago. Right. Because they had exclusives. Right. I think Entertainment Weekly also had exclusives. And I'm fine with and that. that's fine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I kind of assumed that. I was like, all right, we're on the B-list. That's fine. We're independent media, but we'll, we'll get it eventually. And then... I started hearing, oh, the social media embargo lifted and all of these um, not A-list critics. I'm not going to be mean about this. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about people who write for other sites that are no bigger than our site. We're talking about their impressions. And I was like, oh, this already went out and we didn't get one. So we contacted our contact at Amazon and they said, oh, we're using um, a PR firm to do this. Here's the... Con- and that that's not unheard of. But it's not common. It's They don't always do that. Yeah. They usually handle everything in-house. But because it's such a huge show for Amazon... Yeah, there's a lot d- riding on it. They decided to hire a PR company, which I won't name here. But... And they're not doing a very good job. Um, and the thing is that um, we heard from other people that they're screwing up a lot. They screwed up a lot. And they, they. I just want to explain. They, they dangled. They. It, it would have been one thing for us if we had contacted this PR person, and it's a major PR firm. Um, and they had said, "Listen, we're done sending out screeners. Sorry, you didn't right, make right. the list." I wouldn't have loved it, but I would have understood it, um, and I would have accepted it. This could have happened ten days ago, but it was ten days of back and forth where it was very clear that this woman didn't quite believe that we were a legitimate outlet. And this is something we used to run into quite a bit because I will say, I'll admit this publicly, I, I love our site. I love you know most of what we've done. I'm very proud of it. But if I could go back and change one thing, I would not have named it after us. I would have named it something like Bitter Kittens and given it a generic right, name. Because, because people think it's our personal website yeah, or something. Or something yeah. We were trying to brand ourselves because up until that point, we were known as the PR Gay Boys on Project Run Gay. So we felt like we needed to brand our name. Right, right. And in the world of blogging in 2009, 2010, that made certain amount of sense. But um, in the years since, when dealing with publicists, um, I have sort of wished that we hadn't done that. I just want to mention here that we are very lucky that we are an independent site and, but we, and we still, and we get everything, we get pretty much everything we want. It was the same thing with, with fashion week. Um, that's, I want you to explain that. That's a fashion week. Fashion week was the same thing. We had to sort of work our way all the way to the top, meaning that in the beginning we wouldn't get 
invites at all. And then when they realized that we had something to offer, they started inviting us. And it was like to stand in the back in the beginning because, you know, they didn't know us. And then they got to know us. And then we kept moving towards the front. And then, then we had... getting invited to bigger shows. And getting invited to parties and all kinds of events. So... You, you work your way all the way up to the top, and which is fine by me. So that's what we did with Fashion Week, uh, with, with the fashion houses and designers. And, and so we kind of did the same, and we're doing the same with TV and movies. Uh, uh, and listen, we usually never have a problem like this. This is specifically because Amazon decided to hire a company that they decided to do things a different way. Uh, or be more strict about it and decided that we weren't, you know, a priority. Well, no, it's not that she, she, we got strung along email. We, we kept being asked questions about our coverage and then we would answer the questions and whether we were going to abide by the embargo when we answered all that. And so we kept expecting, all right, we're going to get this eventually. And we were even told at one point, we're going to hook you up. But then we would get ghosted and nothing would happen. And listen, I said this to Lorenzo all through this. I am not the most important thing on this woman's desk. And I fully accept that. I, I, I'm not. Um, but, you know, pass me on to an assistant or something. Because really, it's all about just putting our email on a list and right. pressing a button. And right. then we get right. screeners. But it felt like they were very disorganized. Yeah. Um, they kept sending emails to everybody. And you, you could see... We could see that it was an email sent to everybody uh, and that we were included and then we would reply and then we'd... Anyway, it was a mess. And uh, we found out last night after 7 p.m., it was late in the day, because uh, we were still trying, still trying to get it because the embargo lifted today on reviews. Um, and we wanted to... Let's... We found out at the last minute that we weren't getting it before the embargo lifted and we would be either getting it later today... Mm -hmm. Or, I don't know, whenever this woman answered an email again, and um, that's when we wiped our hands, you know, and washed our hands of the whole thing. Because, and listen, we mentioned this on social media, and immediately someone said we were having a temper tantrum and our egos were bruised. And that's not the point. I mean, I don't like the way I was treated here. Um, but, and as I said, you could have told me almost two weeks ago that I was cut off and I would have left you alone. But you strung me along. And then at right. the very last second, you, right. you revealed that. And here's what this means. As a small site, you know, in relation to much like Entertainment Weekly, who is also doing recap, the New York Times is going to be doing recaps. Um, if we don't get that stuff out at the same time everybody else gets theirs out, if we're trying to put out stuff days or later, uh, it's no good for us. It's no, and I'm it's talking too specifically yeah. about written mm -hmm. posts. This is why we have decided to do podcasts for the uh, House of the Dragon, because you actually do have some time to put together. No one expects a podcast the next morning on a TV show, but they do expect a post. Podcasts, you can do a couple days later, because by that point, everyone's read all the recaps. They want to hear someone just having a conversation. But if you don't get your recap out or your review out at the same time or roughly the same time, Rolling Stone, New York Magazine, and all of those other ones get theirs out... You're going to do hours of work for far, far less of a readership. It it was cutting us in half, um, cutting us off at the knees. I don't know that it was deliberate. I don't think that gen genuinely, I do not think this woman understood that she was screwing us over. She was busy and she didn't know who we were and she didn't care and whatever. It's not your job to love me, but um, that's why we're not doing it. This isn't some petulant response. It's more like, 
I think we would have to... Oh, and she was only going to release the first two to us. And then if we wanted any more screeners, I feel like we would have had to go through this rigmarole all over again. So, uh, and again, if we wanted to do weekly recaps, we would... And I need to note here that HBO is giving us all the screeners for um, House of the Dragon. No problems there. So, um, that's the bottom line, is we can't... This is going to be one of the most, if not the most, reviewed show of the year. The The attention on this show is extraordinarily high. If we can't get in there and make our mark as a site and as a critic early while the conversation is going on, this is out of years of experience of knowing this. There's kind of no point in doing so. We would be... Because believe me, I we had plans. We are both fairly well... We're more, way more knowledgeable about Tolkien than we are about George R. R. Martin. And if you've listened to us for any length of time, you might have heard that every Christmas... We have watched all three films, uh, the original... 500 times. <laughs> 500 times every Christmas. We read but all not, the books. But not only that, we yeah. also... if And I know you hardcore fans know this. If you have the extended editions, we watched all of that supplemental material right. 30 times. And a lot of that stuff is like documentaries about Tolkien and, and, and discussions and stuff like that. So we were really looking forward to diving deep on this. But it is the kind of show that... As a reviewer, if you don't take the time to do the research and make sure you've got everything in place before you hit publish, there's almost no point in doing it. And that is why we would have needed screeners and why any reviewer would need screeners of this show. So um, this isn't some petulant response. Believe me, my heart is broken. I really actually, this was the most we wanted to, um, yeah. anticipated show of the year for me. We wanted to write and review and post about the show. But anyway, the thing is, and you can say, well, the show hasn't aired yet. If you, get, if you guys get the screeners now, what's wrong? What's the problem? The problem is that we need a ton of time ahead of time, like everybody else. Right. Um, Who got the screeners weeks right, and weeks ago. To do our work. I mean, it, it does take time, a lot of time to yeah. do all the research to make sure we hit the right points and, and all that. I mean, it, it's a lot. I mean... It's not like doing a recap of like Yellow Jackets or something. Yeah. It's it's Tolkien. And it's the same thing with George R. R. Martin, where right. it's names and histories and places, and you have to get all of that right. correct. Right. But anyway, so we're not doing it. <laughs> um, it breaks my heart. It truly breaks my heart. And this isn't petulance. Um, I do think we were kind of shittily treated. And if any TCA members are listening, it we got screwed over. We have applied to be members of the Television Critics Association so many times, and we have been turned down for exactly this reason, because so many people seem to think that we write for a personal site. Right. right. Uh, I mean, we wrote a book about a TV show. It was actually a critically acclaimed book, and we still can't get into the TC. Yeah, well, so, so this so sort of thing The point screws we're, us we're over. trying to make, just to finish here, is that we have fought very hard to get all the things we get for the site, to be able to work and create... Right create the what we do um so it it's it's not easy i i feel like we have to prove ourselves every day and it's fine it's, it's fine our job. it's our fine Listen, independent I'm not complaining right uh i don't work for vanity fair or the new york times when i'm sure things are thrown at you um i understand that we have to work a little hard and it's fine but having said all that we do have to make decisions based on what we get or what we don't get right so that we can produce something of quality exactly otherwise um it we would have been producing fairly disappointing rushed and surface level recaps and that's not what we want to do now turning to house of the dragon yeah. because this is related it's funny because all year, literally all year long, I kept saying to Lorenzo, um, in August and September, that's going to be great. We're going to have these two shows, and I'm actually really looking forward to 
the Rings of Power. But, you know, we'll check in on House of the Dragon. <laughs> it, to be perfectly honest, I didn't think House of the Dragon would be a hit. A lot of people didn't. Um, I thought that a lot of people were turned off of that whole, you know, er, mm-hmm. you know, the whole Game of Thrones thing because it, that series ended so badly in, right. the, in the view of so many people. And I actually felt, I, I had a hard time getting excited for this mm-hmm. adaptation. Um, and then the first episode came out, and I was intrigued enough, but actually it was this second episode, and by the way, the first episode got 25 million viewers or something like that, insane number. And it just went up, the second episode went yeah. up, like, I don't know, the 2% or like something. 2% or something like that, yeah. It's just unheard of. Um, so clearly... There is an audience for it, fortunately for us, because now we're all in on this show because we're not going to be doing yeah, the Yeah, and we already have a costume post on the site, if you haven't seen that yet. Yes, we've done our first of what we plan on several costume posts. I don't know. I think we might stick to the idea of doing what we did, which was wait for two episodes to air yeah, and, and then do it. So we have more. Yeah, yes. so it's got something mm-hmm. to work with. And, and the thing is, we did costume posts for Game of Thrones in like season seven, and I just reread them the other day to prepare for this. And we had seven seasons of character development to pull on. Right now, we don't know a lot of these characters. Right. So doing costume analyses, we do know where the story goes because we know where... And the- I think everyone knows. I mean, it's been announced many times that we, we're going to get to a point where these some of these characters are adults. So right. I'm curious to see what they wear. What right. they, you know, So that's, that's also costumes uh, but, uh, related. We're going to try to, as I said, this is a Wednesday uh, podcast. We're going to try and drop our podcast a little bit earlier in the week as we right. go on. Because, again, we're, we're now all in. The show was more popular than we thought it was going to be, and we have a little bit more time on our hands. Uh, I should also note that we have a um, we have plans for the fall TV schedule. There's a lot of shows we're going yes, to be reviewing. Yes. We're going and back movies. all in on TV critic stuff. And movies. Yeah. So... Um, latest episode, which was, um, it was quite an interesting way to start the episode. I have to say, I was like, what is going on? Wait, here? I, why don't you start with that? Yeah. With, so the crabs and I was like, all right, crab I, had, I, I had no idea we're going to start with crabs eating, you know, <laughs> flesh. And that was quite interesting to see. And, and, and it t- tells a lot about the story. What, right. It, it sort of introduced a new character, um, uh, the that, crab feeder, which, Again, I feel like this was the episode where where everybody was like, "Oh, okay, I'm in." Like, all right, I get it. Where it it feels, it doesn't have to feel like Game of Thrones, but it feels a- as if it's going to be as complicated and and you know interesting as Game I, I of Thrones. I think the second episode did a good job, uh, sort of like introducing all the all the political issues and battles that we're going to be facing, and um, the people who hate each other already, and the family and and friendship and relationship issues. I I, I think you you can see both going on and sort of like introducing those. Yeah, because uh, you can tell that a lot's going to happen between those two girls and and every everyone else in the family, and alliances being made. You know, like that kind of right. thing. So, um, just as a note, it's the Rogue Prince, because I couldn't remember the title. That's the title of this episode. And uh, that refers to Prince Damon, who is played by Matt Smith. And I feel like this was, in a lot of ways, his episode. Um, I wasn't particularly feeling his character in the first episode. And by the time the second episode ended, I was like, oh, all right. He's just got that... um, that sort of, uh, I don't want to say anti-hero, because he sounds like a real dick. He's not the nicest person in the world. But then again, who was nice? I mean, Jamie Lannister was a terrible right. person, but he, but he was charismatic. And right. and I feel like um, Prince Damon is sort of like the Jamie Lannister of this story. And you kind of 
at, at least at this point, you, you kind of don't know if you're going to full-blown hate him or, or kind of like feel sorry for him because there's a lot there. You know, he's, he's been a lot. Right. He's been I mean, through a lot. That's yeah. one of the things that really distinguishes George R. R. Martin from Tolkien. And, you know, the reason we make these comparisons is because he's clearly playing in Tolkien's sandbox. But one of the things that distinguishes his work is that the characters are a lot more complicated than Tolkien's more archetypal mythological characters. These are people who have a lot of flaws. They sometimes don't hew the, on the right path, and, right. and they sometimes do some really awful things. So there were very few characters in Game of Thrones that were all good. Um, even someone like Arya Stark was, you know, she was pretty damaged by the end of that story. <laughs> right, but right, you right. were rooting for her anyway. And again, Jamie Lannister is a complete asshole, responsible for all these deaths and everything. He, he wasn't a good person in any way, shape, or form. But by the end of the series, you were rooting for him. Right. In fact, one of the big disappointments is how he wound up at the end of the series, because everybody felt like right. he had taken a huge step backwards. So um, I do like Prince Damon. I like the way he acted this episode. I like the way Matt Smith brought the character to life. And you can feel... Um, sort of feel where the story's going. Even if, uh, like I said, even, we know where it's going and you don't have to know where it's going, but you, I feel like you come away with this understanding, okay, he is a player. There, it, the, You can't just piss off this guy and expect it not to have repercussions. Um, and I really loved the showdown between him and um, Rhaenyra at Dragonstone, which evoked so much, not least of which it evokes Daenerys because she came riding in on a dragon wearing right, right. a Daenerys coat. I think the whole, the presence of dragons, just having dragons, you know, like yeah. just, just having them around and, and using them as tools to fight and and as, it, it's very interesting. It, and it, and if you watch Game of Thrones, you kind of like, you're familiar with right. it in a way. You, you kind of expect that now. But the dragons are much bigger and there are more of them. I mean, you can have two people with a who, with opposing points of view. Each of one has a dragon, which is what happened in that scene. You never had that in the first. Well, you did because the Night King wound up with a, a dead dragon. But um, and it's interesting also the eggs. The uh, you know because right. when going back to Game of Thrones again, you know when she got her three eggs. I mean, you kind of like what is this? What's going on here? But now you know, right? And you know how important they are, and the fact that Damon stole one of the eggs, right? So. Um, I want to talk about the other sort of motivating storyline of the uh, episode, which was uh, everyone pressuring King Viserys to remarry. And one of the things that I do find very interesting about this story, especially in, when you compare it to Game of Thrones... Oh, let's just talk real quick. I hate that they use the Game of Thrones theme. Oh, you do? I hate it. I hate that they do well, they, that. They, they I do just, change You the... might as well just call this Game of Thrones Season 9, then. Like, yeah. Uh, it, I, I don't like the title well, the sequence. the visuals are different, but the visuals are different. And I course. don't like the visuals, although I know it refers to the Targaryen bloodline as well as to blood magic. And, right, right, right. But it's not as awe-inspiring as the visuals of the Game of Thrones. Remember it was the sun? I think, yeah. Yeah, and all the buildings I think were it had more up. details, more things going on. Yeah. Um, this I don't like it at all, and I hate that they use this. I would not mind a theme song that was based off of that. Right. That, you know, used ripped on that and then did a very... But it's literally the exact same and it's so well known. Right. So I'm really disappointed by that. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh. The king. The king wanting to marry, and then I promise I'll shut up so you can. No, no. Uh, or else I'll start coughing like I did last week. Um, <laughs> uh, Game of Thrones was obsessed with rape. Um, and at times the show received a lot of criticism because they right. over relied on rape as a right. story point, and that too many of the female characters were raped. 
Um, and the response at the uh, the the defense of that at the time was that um, you know this is a, a culture and a society, a pre-industrial patriarchal sort of you know um, feudal society where women are going to be treated like that. It's sort of the same argument that um, Outlander makes all the time. Right. But again, I think that show overdoes right, it right, as right. well, where, okay, it's the 18th century. Women were in danger of sexual assault all the time. I mean, they still are in the 21st, so why wouldn't they be? Right. But, you know, you make choices about what you want to depict or what you want to focus on. And and there was a lot of criticism that there were too many, too many rapes in that story, um, not least of which was when Sansa got raped, like the third time. Um, and the focus on this one is different. It's childbirth. It's really interesting how everyone's talking about the dangers of childbirth and how old a woman should be allowed to be, a young girl should be allowed to be before she's expected to go through. And these are all valid questions for a feudal pre-industrial society. But, um, it's really like, as if you, I'm sure you saw it, if you're listening to this, uh, there was a horrible birth scene uh which was not actually right. a birth scene in the first episode in which queen emma died um and since then that sort of has hung over everything so um you have uh, what is her name mizara lady mizara yeah, i think it's mizara um damon uh stole this dragon egg because uh, he left a note saying that he was going to marry this woman who was uh i believe a sex worker they kept calling her a whore um yeah she was a sex worker because they already introduced her and um he was going to marry her and that she was going to have his child and that's why he stole the egg and there's this confrontation and um Rhaenyra, yeah. um forces him to give the egg back it's a great scene but Mizara is furious with him and she um confronts him later um because she's not pregnant he, he bluffed the whole right. thing it was all about his own ego and she said you made me promise i would not have to do that like she's a woman and I'm, I, w- I imagine this would largely be true of sex workers, even in feudal societies, who is trying her best to avoid pregnancy. Right. Um, because she feels it's putting her life into it. And she gives this long, impassioned speech about it. And then there's, um, eventually, King Viserys meets with, um, uh, I don't know, is she Princess Lyanna? Um, Princess Rhaenys' daughter, uh, Corlys Valerian's daughter, who is being pushed on him as a uh, potential second wife, and she's all of like twelve. She's twelve, yeah. Um, that was and a I, very uncomfortable thing. <laughs> it was brilliantly done, though. It yes, was so, I, and I have to admit that little actress was really, really good in that scene. Um, again, these are uh, kings of old right. married twelve-year-olds. Kings and queens of old right. were were betrothed at the age of three. Sometimes they were betrothed at birth. So this is it's not you know obviously Westeros isn't history, but you're looking, life, pre- yeah. fo- you're looking at pre. You're looking at pre. You know, industrial feudal history. Then this is largely what it's going to be like. Again, the argument against the show doing this is that it's fantasy. You can create any kind of world you want, and that's true. But these are the themes that Game of Thrones, uh, that George R. R. Martin has always wanted to unpack in his work about the you know putting aside all the magic and the elves and everything else about Tolkien's work. What is it like to live in that world? What is right. it like to live in a world of violence I like think, that? I, I agree, and I think it's interesting to see how women will will play uh, a part. I right. think uh, in the future when you watch a, a future episode <clears throat> about the whole story when they become more influential and more powerful right um it's interesting somebody mentioned i i mean people are mentioning online that uh allison that is a lot older in the book 
than she is. Viserys is a lot younger in the book. Yeah, because and 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 that makes sense because I remember watching the first episode. Then she talks about reading. I think she's only like eighteen though. She's not much I know, but, older. But but she talks about reading for the previous uh, king, king uh, Jaharas, right? And um and I was that's like, true. And I was like, how old were you when you? Yeah, read that's for true. Him? I forgot uh, about that. Um, that that was my thought when I was watching the first episode, and it's true. So apparently she was she's more like eighteen or. And he's um in the books, I think only about thirty. So it wasn't a shock. Uh, but they're going with the theme here. They're going with that sort of patriarchal theme. Right. And then Queen Emma says to um, Rhaenyra in the first episode, she said, we have royal wombs. Like she is trying to teach her, this is the reality of it. Our job is to make babies and that our survival is based on our ability right. to make babies. And our survival is also threatened by this imposition put on us. So it's all very sort of complicated, interesting stuff. I can understand why certain viewers might find it problematic. And so there are plenty of uh, women viewers who s- tapped out after that birth scene. And I, and I, I can respect understand. that 100%. I, 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 I can understand. I mean, I do that when I, I can't deal with something. And I, I totally understand. But at the same time, I think you will see women doing things and, 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 and becoming a little more powerful or more manipulative. Right. Much like in yeah. Game of Thrones. Oh, yes, yeah. There where will... every female character was abused and they all managed some form of triumph. Yes, exactly. I think you will see this in, here in the future. Uh, I also like the way the conversation between uh, Rhaenyra and... Uh, it was my favorite scene. Oh and my Rhaenys. God. I just oh want to say, Eve Best, who plays Rhaenys, is so far my favorite character, yes. favorite actor on the show and and i can't i'm not sure i can entirely put this in words articulated but she feels like a game of thrones character more than anybody else who is current everybody else except for maybe matt smith is i don't feel like they've found the voice yet and i feel like eve best in that scene with right i was like there it is i mean you sound like every female on game of thrones who ever had a point to make like it just sounds she was smart she was cynical she was a little cruel about it, but nothing. She, real, she but real. nothing she said and was wrong. And seasoned, experience. Exactly. You can see it all. She's like leaning against the wall and just listening. Just the whole. You have no <laughs> oh idea. God. You're costume, a little girl. Yeah. Loved her costumes. Everything about the whole yeah. scene. It was just perfect. It, it, I, she is so far my favorite. Uh, really looking forward because again, know where that one goes. Know what happens. You know, all over that family. So really interested to see what happens there. Um. Let's talk about Alison Hightower a little bit. Yes. Uh, I find her, and to a lesser extent, same with Otto, her father, I find them rather inexplicable and inscrutable. And I guess that's by choice. It's clear that Otto is like many Hand of the Kings, um, Hands of the King. Uh, He's manipulative. He's power-seeking. And you can't really trust him. So I get that. But I cannot get a read on this girl at all. She seems to know what's happening, what she's being used to do. Mm -hmm. And at times, it seems like she's reluctant about it. But at other times, it seems like she's all in, like she's ready to become queen. It's hard to tell because when she's hurting herself. Yeah, she does a lot of self-harm. I think there's more. I think it's more about stress, about trying to to please her father and making sure she doesn't fuck it up. I think there's all that pressure on her. Um, that she has to get this right. She has to marry the the and and she feels like she's betraying her friend, you know, not telling her that what's going on with her father. She is betraying her. Yeah, friend. I mean, so yeah, there's a lot in her head. Uh, yeah, I don't a lot know going on. if she. The way they stage that final announcement that he was marrying her, they don't make a clear. And maybe they will in the next episode or further down the line. 
how involved she was in that. Like, did did she know he was going to say that? Was there a moment where he asked her? I I'm think, assuming yes. I think, but I think it's strange that they didn't show it. I think the writing's very smart uh, when things she says, like when she's talking to the king, and and then the king asks, "Are you telling, you know?" My daughter, all the anything right, about, right, 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 and she's like, no, and she, her words are very, very, you know, careful. Chosen, That's why I'm well like, chosen. I don't know how innocent I'm supposed yeah. to think this girl is. Same thing is when she, when he talks about marrying the twelve year old Lena. Like, what do you think? Blah blah blah. And she's like, well, again, very well chosen uh, yeah. words. She talks about like, well, she's she, she's going to be a great company or whatever, right. for you and blah blah blah. She's very careful about how she uh, chooses her words. Because she knows whatever she says. Because the king doesn't really know what the hell he wants to do. He certainly doesn't well, He's another get one that I feel they go back and forth on. Yeah. Sometimes he gives off this sort of Ned Stark, oh, you are doomed quality, you are in over your head kind of quality. And other times it's like, well, actually, I think he might be more thoughtful than people realize. I think, Allison, what's the actress, uh, actress's Emma name? Emma Corey. Yeah, I think she's doing a fantastic job because you can feel the stress all over her. Oh yeah, she's great at that. Uh, she's admit. very good. Like she, she feels that if she says one wrong word here, it's some, if she says one thing wrong, right, uh, he'll change his mind. The king will change his mind about marrying her. So she's in that position where she has to be very careful about everything, and and she's young. Yeah, I, I also want to single. Uh, I think Millie Alcock. I think you have some problems with her as Princess Rhaenyra, but I kind of like that she is. Right out of the gate, you can, because you know what happened with Daenerys, you know, right. and you can actually see where it's like, I'm rooting for this girl, but also this girl scares me a little. Like, she has the potential to go so dark, um, like right. so many female characters wind up doing on this show. So, and I think she's straddling that line fairly well. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to see. I mean, of course, the second episode, you know, you, you hear about everything. You hear about uh, uh, the... Um, Wester, Westeros and assholes. You you know, and all you read about, you hear about all this. You know, you hear where they're going, where right. the, uh, Lord uh, Corlys is going with this, um, and with Damon, and and you know, you know, you can see that they're planning to do things. And and well, uh, yeah. There's. I'm sorry. I don't mean to. I, I, yeah. I'm trying not to give too much away. No, I don't. Yeah, that, that's why I jumped in. Um, I think it was that sort of uh, suggested alliance at the end of the episode that Corlys Valerion, who clearly has a lot of reasons to be angry, as does his wife, um, Rhaenys, to be angry at the king. Um, for many reasons. Many reasons, not least of which is Rhaenys feels that she should have been given the throne. Right. Um, and then he, uh, they offered their own daughter to him in marriage. And age, creepy-ass age issues aside, from their perspective, and even from Viserys' perspective, that was the better choice. That was the appropriate choice. She was um, of old Valyrian blood. Right. She was a Targaryen. Um, it it just it would have strengthened his family line and the and the Valyrian family line. So, um, he has good reason to be angry, and and right. that's one of the great things that Game of Thrones always did was um, even when characters you sometimes didn't know who to root for because everyone was everyone was kind of bad in some way, but. A lot of characters have legitimate beefs with each other. Mm -hmm. So is Corliss Valerian a good person? Does it really matter? He's a righteously angry right. person. Well, and he's hooking up with another righteously angry person, right. which is Prince Damon. And he's using him. You can they're they're going to yeah, use they each all, other. They all use each other. And they all have an agenda. Yeah. So, which 
I'm loving. That's oh, what's making that. this show. Yeah. That's when it started feeling like Game of Thrones. I was like, oh shit, there's so much going on. Can we talk briefly? I don't have much to say about it, but I just want to say I don't trust that Grand Meister. <laughs> I mean, I don't trust any of them anyway, after the, the way, you know, all that was revealed about right, them right, during right. Game of Thrones. But I feel like he he is, um, I feel like whatever agenda that guy has, it has not been um, revealed yet, but he clearly has an agenda. What's his name, Lord? Uh, I can't remember. Lord Strong? Is that, is that, no, Lord Strong. No. Somebody else. Yeah, I can't remember. Anyway. Um, and uh, I think the, in, I'm not sure what to make of the king's injuries, which um, are in the book, but I feel I believe they're kind of overwrite. They're writing them more prominently in the series. Um, yeah, it feels that way. Yeah, it feels like okay. They've they've made this way more of a plot point. In fact, this is happening. I think earlier in the story than it happens in the books. The whole cut, cuts from from the throne and everything. And of course, that's not a very um, subtle metaphor. I am reminded of the end. <laughs> the climax of game of thrones where and i just rolled my eyes at this where um spoiler john kills daenerys and her dragon shows up and melts the iron throne as if to make you know this game of thrones has ended you know it the show is and generally speaking martin is not um subtle in his metaphors so um the king actually being injured and possibly dying from sitting on the throne is a lovely but not not subtle metaphor that they're clearly milking. Um, does the Grand Meister not know how to deal with these minor, what seem like minor, but are suddenly turning into major infections? Yeah. Or is he fucking with them? Like, that's the thing I question. Interesting. Yeah, the whole Didn't scene with the maggots that. and everything. Oh, God, yeah. It was gross. Uh, what else? What else? I think that's it. I think that's it. Uh, um, I think it, 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 as I said, it's establishing a lot of, uh, things that are going to happen in terms of battles and No, I have one more thing to say. And, and, and the relationship, I think. I think the most interesting thing is the relationship between, uh, the two, the two ladies, you know, the two young ladies. I, I absolutely love that. The whole story hinges on it. Yeah, I do love it. The scene where they're praying and together with all the candles and everything is just beautiful. Yeah. It's just absolutely beautiful. just want to say, um, my Zaria, who's played by Sonoya Mizuno, who was an actress I really liked. She was in Crazy Rich Asians. Um, the accent that she pulls in her scene where she confronts Prince Damon is painfully Everyone bad. is talking about it. It's, well, you, you <laughs> yeah, said I, it at I, the time. I it, was, it, it, it sounded odd. You know, like, it sounded it like, like French. Yeah, it sounded weird. Like, and why, there's why also, it, like, I don't know, like... I go back and forth on this. Uh, Game of Thrones was always weird about quote unquote foreign accent, made up foreign accents as well. On the other hand, we accept all these characters having British, Scottish or Irish accents right. and not questioning it. So, all right, maybe, you know, there's, but there, it's kind of hard when you, um, it not hard, but it makes a difference when you cast an actress of color in a role like that, mm-hmm. uh, which my understanding is that um, Lady Mizaria was not, um, she was described as you know pure white skin of white oh, and everything like that. But you cast an Asian woman, and then suddenly everyone's calling her a whore, and she's got this really goofy ass pigeon, you know, uh, um, Jar Jar Binks kind of accent coming out of her, well, it, which you it, don't even get that reference, but <laughs> the rest of you will. Uh, it just sounded comical. Like, uh, okay, I understand that you want to give characters who aren't from Western, you know, King's Landing or whatever. I think that's the whole point. Accents. Yeah. You had that with characters from Bravos. You had that from um, what was the guy that taught um, the 
Aria called Aria the girl with no name. Oh, that yeah. guy had a crazy accent as well. So it's it's part of it, but you got to make those accents believable in some way. And she just sounded, it just sounded forward. goofy. It, yeah. It was really forward. I think the point was that sex workers come from different parts of the world. Which was world, true in Game of Thrones Which is true, well. yeah. And that's why they all have different languages and cultures and, and backgrounds, blah, blah, blah. But it, it, when she opened her mouth, I was like, whoa. Okay. And she's not a minor character. You mm -hmm. are going to see way more of her. Right. So oh, yeah. I hope they work on that accent because it wasn't good. Um, I think yeah, I think you were right. I think we're mostly done here until I next so. week. I'm, I'm I'm very excited now, and I'm the, really the excited. more I watch, the more I'm like, oh hey, this is especially you going know, somewhere. Screw the rings of power. Oh my god, let's just not talk about that anymore. <laughs> now I I the first couple of reviews have dropped today, and they are mixed. Some are like who knows, who yeah. cares? I mean, it was the same thing with the House of the Dragon. Um, critics were mixed, and 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 then the show just exploded, and yeah, you know, we'll so, see. Yeah, um, HBO has. Um, um, uh, sort of momentum behind them, and I think that's why right. the the numbers are so good. Uh, I will say that Prime does have an uphill battle because they've never had a hit show ever, um, and they spent an awful lot of money on this. But they they have a benefit that they people are way more familiar with Tolkien than they are with Martin. Right. So we'll see. We'll and see. people love the the movies, so you know. The movies are 20 years old, though. That's true. Yeah. And the last time we visited Middle Earth was the Hobbit movies, which were horrible. So, yeah, you know, we'll see. We'll anyway. See. All right. So um, we will be back next week with more on House of the Dragon and other little pop culture, celebrity, fashion-y things. That's why it's called the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Uh, until then, please take care of yourselves. Love you. Mean it. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.